Hello, everyone. My name is Joanne Lockwood, and I am your host for the Inclusion Bites podcast. In this series, I will be interviewing a number of amazing people and simply having a conversation around the subject of inclusion, belonging, and generally making the world a better place for everyone to thrive. If you'd like to join me in the future, then please do drop me a line to joe.lockwood at cchangehappen.co.uk. That's s-double-e-changehappen.co.uk. You'll be able to catch up with all of the previous shows on iTunes, Spotify, and the usual places. So plug in your headphones, grab a decaf, and let's get going. Today is episode 24 with the title, There is room for everyone within the soup of life. And I have the absolute honor and privilege to be joined by Derek Cheshire. Now, Derek describes himself as someone who could see how to get off the tracks before the train comes. And when I asked Derek to describe his superpower, he said that he could find the nearest coffee shop without Google or a sat-nav. Mm, and we'll find out about that in a minute, I'm sure. So hello, Derek. Welcome to the show. Well, hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here on a on a horrible cold day up here in Yorkshire and to talk about some things that will warm up the cockles of people's hearts. Oh, that sounds very interesting. And I'm dying to find out about your coffee shop navigation techniques. So, Derek, why do you say that there is room for everyone within the soup of life? What does that mean to you? Well, the the field that I inhabit is is basically creativity and innovation. And in the widest possible sense that um, d diversity in the widest possible sense is what we need because we don't want the same point of view, the same things bringing up, the same interactions, um, the same tensions and frictions, if, if you like. I'm not saying that we, we want tension-filled diversity, but when you bring things together like you do in, um, in, in humour, for instance, you know, the straight man, the funny man, you have the logical, the 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 not so logical. When you get all of these things together, and you have you 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 have a little bit of what I call creative tension, and that's where the ideas and the things for me come about. So I I, I come at it purely initially purely from a, a, a creativity and an innovation point of view, but of course that brings with it all sorts of other issues surrounding um, diversity and inclusion because you can't just use people's brains. You have to use people or use in big quotes, I think. Utilise, I think, probably a better yeah, word utilize, than Utilise, make, make use of people, take contributions from people, yes. Um, and there, there you go, just actually highlighted one of the issues um, is language. It's, it's a huge thing generally, but it's it's also a big thing within the um, creativity and innovation sphere because we bring traditionally bring together people from a number of functions within companies. And we've said, oh, well, let's have people from marketing. Let's have people from sales. Let's have people from engineering. Yeah, let's create a common language. But the common like that's where the common language actually stops. When you start including many different people you have actually got to expand your vocabulary um so it's yeah we just highlighted one, one of the issues 
you hear use, uh, I think abuse, use and abuse. Well, actually, you didn't mean that. You meant utilize, which is what utilize or make use, utilize or make use of. Yeah. And that and that, mm. and that that is the thing. People people will in, inadvertently um, make use of the wrong phrases, the wrong the wrong language, and one of one of the issues that I I, I see is very very easy to in some cases quite rightly to take take offense or, or or exception to the use of something but one of the problem one of one of the one of the problems I, I, I tend to have um, is that the more we legislate the more we have rules to tell um, people what they should do or think the more it encourages some people to find loopholes in, in, in those rules um, I, I just I, I think I said um, in, in the in my, uh, my my notes before before I applied to come on your your show was that my, my greatest um, diversity and inclusion wish is that there is no need for it at all simply because common sense prevails and that's that's what in a way that's that's what what I'd like to see we don't have to think about these things because common sense and decency rules rather than rules rules. I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm. I often speak about the fact that HR is kind of like the bastion of rule creating, and every time something goes wrong, they create a rule to stop it happening again. So we end up applying the rule for the one to the many, and before we know it, we have so many rules tying us in knots that we we stop people being able to think for themselves and and think rationally and see themselves out of situations. And I think what you're saying there is often we have these rules, we over-police or we under-police, or as you said, people find their way around rules or actually there's a loophole. If I stand on one leg and say something, it doesn't count. Or if I – we're doing the same with COVID, aren't we? We're creating so many rules that the rules don't – join up there's so many loopholes in these rules that people really don't know where they stand so you're right that we do often create too many rules rather than teaching people how to be good citizens or good communicators that's the that's the thing we should be doing isn't it yeah it's something something very similar to what we what we do with with with, um kids at school there's a lot of talk of people saying what should we be teaching kids at school no we shouldn't be teaching them anything apart from how to learn once they know how to learn, then they can learn absolutely anything if they want to. So it's it's a it's a little bit like that. If if people if you you show people the way so they learn how to behave or how to deal with other people that aren't you know aren't maybe quite like they are, um, then um, and, and similarly, I think the people on both sides of the fence do do need to be do need to be mindful of this because I, I was just thinking about this this morning. I, ha- I have family up in up in the north of Scotland and I know until fairly recently you could actually say that many of them had never seen anybody that wasn't white. They just hadn't. So some, they, they could comment on this in a, in a – say if they came to visit me, they could comment on this in a public place and people go, oh, dear, that's terrible. But they don't know. They they have they have they haven't learnt how to learn about this particular thing. So you 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 sort of have to have to forgive them in that instance. So it's it's all very it is very messy. As I said, com- common sense and decency, and even even um, being inquisitive. 
I mean, we're inquisitive in the world of work. And when I talk about creativity and innovation, we're very inquisitive. We're curious about things. Um, we need to be more inquisitive and curious about other people um, without obviously being heavy handed or whatever the rest of it. So that people do actually understand what it's like to be, you know, uh, a different color, different religion, different race, um, different, different numbers of arms and legs, whatever it happens to be. That's so true. I mean, it sounds like you've been sitting on one of my sessions or I've been sitting on one of your sessions. Cause I say it's that same thing. It's not about learning how to speak to someone with a disability, someone who is gay, someone who is trans, someone who is white or black. It's about understanding how to speak to people. And that, I think that's what you said was learning how to learn, but learning how to speak. It's, it's this cultural and emotional intelligence. So that if I've not met someone who is black or disabled before, it doesn't matter because I've got people skills. I've got listening skills. I've got curiosity skills. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and on the flip side of that, those people, if you, if you're trying to be curious and inquisitive, is uh, there? There is sometimes when people people get asked too much, they start feeling, "Oh, you're discriminating. You're picking. You're picking on me." Uh, no, I'm just trying to find out more. I, I'd, I'd love to know about more, honestly. Um, and, and it is quite difficult when when we go abroad to other countries on a holiday, for instance. We have no trouble, or some of us have no trouble, should I say, immersing ourselves in the culture, finding out about other people, accepting the way they behave. But those same people could be doing what they do in their own country here, and people take exception to it, or they just don't bother finding out. Um, so I don't know whether it's a – I don't think it's just a British thing, but because we're in the UK, we do actually come across this a lot more. Um, but again, that's stereotypes, isn't it? <laughs> so you're talking about the Britain holiday that goes to the English pub and eats fish and chips and roast beef on Saturday and then complains that the gravy isn't as good as it is back home. Um, a, a little bit. Unfortunately, I've seen far, I mean, I've seen people on holiday do absolutely nothing. But uh, once I remember or years ago when I was a student, um, we went, well, we, we, we were interrailing and I was, we caught the uh, the ferry across the channel and we were at Ostend railway station waiting for the first train of the day, just sitting there waiting for our train. We already had our tickets and there were some English guys, um, typically loud. Uh, they, they were from the south, but they could have been from anywhere. They just hopped across the channel and they they wanted to make a phone call. So they, they were abusing the poor guy in the ticket office. Eventually, they got a phone card. They, they purchased the phone card. They couldn't speak French. They couldn't speak Dutch or, or, or Flemish. So eventually, they got their phone card. They paid for it. They tried to stick it in this phone. It wouldn't work. Then after a few minutes of trying, they went back said we want our money back and just gave this guy abuse and he didn't really speak much English they spoke no foreign language at all and it just got louder and louder and louder um, and this is a little while ago but in some cases that hasn't actually improved that much and that's all although it is a stereotype it highlights nicely that some people don't even appreciate the person they're speaking to 
Um, so, so yes, the Brit on holiday still does exist, but it it can be anything. Um, but you're right. There, there are some people who, who don't want to educate themselves or don't know how to educate themselves to find out about other people and to often speak through their own privilege or their own sense of entitlement without truly understanding the lived experience of somebody else. And that, that, is, that is often one of the barriers to inclusion, isn't it? It, 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 it is. Um, but I, I, I find sometimes when you, when you, I mean, I've, the radio show that I, I used to be on is, it was an Asian station. So the potential pitfalls there are unbelievable. Uh, the, 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 the faux pas you could make. But it was it was really really interesting because I I, li- I love to put humour into into everything, and I had a conversation in the office. I said, "You don't really hear about many many sort of Muslim comedians, or um, or don't know what the Muslim style of humour is." And these guys just fell around laughing. And then they 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 gave me a whole load of stuff that would make some of our traditional, should we say, English comedians blush. This this stuff was was hardcore. And I would have never found that out without actually having a conversation with them about it. Um, but on the other hand, you, you on, when it's, for instance, Ramadan, you have to be very, very careful about what you, what you say and do. But it, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's also wanting to ask the questions. I mean, if somebody go, you know, if somebody's gay or trans or whatever, most people just they feel I don't know whether they feel stupid or whatever to ask the questions. What do you ask without offending someone? <laughs> and, and that's where mo- that's where most people stop. It's easier to pretend not to know than to ask the ask the question. Yeah, the fear of getting it wrong is it's a huge barrier for many people. Um, and rather than get it wrong, people disengage, they walk away, they exclude, uh, and it, that exacerbates the problem because the body language, that nervousness becomes apparent. And I can I can tell if someone's ignoring me or walking away from me, I think, what's up with me? And it, often it's, it's down to the individual not having those kind of interpersonal skills, the EQ that we talked about. Yeah. I mean, when, when people say, people come out with these phrases, I hate – I won't mention I won't mention any particular groups of people at all, but they 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 use they use the term I hate, and then it it could be any any group of people. They don't. They just they, well, okay, one or two people they don't understand. Well, yeah, they don't. Yeah, they, they don't. They don't, they don't understand. understand. They they haven't got the tools to cope. They they just that that they're, they're scared. Um, I mean, I've I've worked all over the world in my in my thirties. I worked for an international private bank, and I, I had the the good fortune of being able to fly club class <laughs> to some great destinations and spend a lot of time in those cultures, both in the office and also being taken out in the evenings just uh, to, to feel the culture. But also, I was also a member of a club which had worldwide presence, and I spent a lot of time traveling over Europe, staying in people's homes, home hosted. And I've traveled throughout the UK, living in people's homes and, and, and meeting their families. So I think once you expose yourself to that level of difference, that level of randomness from different cultures, you, you, you get the idea that people are just people. They they want to get up in the morning, have a great day, and the same as you do. They're, they're, not, they're not being any more than they are in their own culture. And I, I think we often forget that. We, we, we create these stereotypes of these people who are from different countries, the media, the press, all this kind of the government. We kind of demonise 
yeah, anyone from across the channel. We still held Second World War biases and tropes around the French, the Germans, the Italians, uh, anyone who wasn't our ally. We, we, we have all these jokes and it, those are almost invading our thinking these days. We, we, we get very clouded by them, don't we? Well, yes, we are. I mean, the thing about some, some of the, some of the humour and the stereotypes from the Second World War, um, they're, they're quite easy to pick up on, and I think some of them are, are still are still valid. But you need to know when when you can use them and when and when not to. Um, it, it's very similar. to I mean, I I, I can remember being in Cardiff. And being being very careful of insulting um, in, insulting black people um, for, for various reasons, and then standing looking completely in awe at, at two people having well no more than two people having a screaming match in the middle of Cardiff, all of them all of them Asian, all calling themselves things that we would not be allowed to repeat in public. And you think, well, what do I do here? What 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 what's acceptable and what isn't? And it sort of it, it sort of comes around to that. Um, at what point can you? I would say laugh at. Yeah, maybe laugh at. At what point can you laugh at? Comment on other people or yourself without it causing offence to anybody. At what point can you do that? I mean, another example was when we when we we used to live down in the West Country, and Bristol City Council were very, at the time, I guess people called it political correct, politically correct. And I can remember two ladies, two coloured ladies. One one was one was Afro Caribbean, and I think the other one might have been of African descent. But they had a slanging match in the council chamber. One called the other something very uncomp, uh, you know, very, not very nice at all. And both of them got taken to court. You know, they were both coloured. They were both insulting each other. And I and, and that wouldn't have happened if both necessarily had been white. And you, mm. you can excuse Sorry. you can excuse an onlooker for being confused. Let me just pick you up in a bit of language there. You used a, you used a phrase there that was probably you should avoid. Uh, people are black, they're brown, or people of colour. You should not use the old language uh, in the way you did so just just for anyone's listening it's you know black is the correct term when we're talking about people who are black or, or brown or people of color so yeah just we, we just need to be careful that we, we do understand that we have to update our language if you like because it, it does evolve and change over time doesn't it it does it does indeed and obviously obviously my needs are a little updating yeah, but, but that's but, what we're here to educate as well. In, 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 indeed, but that, but but again, that 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 is, that that is the problem with something that's evolving all the time. If I don't know, if I don't know, technology evolves all the time. People people know how to update their technology or get to grips with it or um, fashion or anything like that. But there are some things that don't t- tend to get updated unless you're exposed to them or. It's foisted upon you, and I guess in a way, what you want to stop is the trying to impose it upon people because it's it it doesn't stick very well. No, I don't think it's necessarily about imposing. It's trying to enlighten people to say this this turn of phrase, this language, this word, or this thing is is problematic for some people. Some people are not happy with that language, and you go, okay, 
I, I, I get that some people are upset by that. So it costs me nothing to you to, to recognize that and, and amend my language. So what we often find is people stick with their language to go, well, I've been, I've been calling people this for, for 30, 40, 50 years, ever since I can remember. And you're telling me I have to change. Well, that's just so difficult. And that often that reflects privilege or it's like, it reflects that people don't have that sort of cultural sensitivity to go, actually, it costs me nothing. Fine. I, I, now you've told me, I'll remember that. And that, and that's kind of the approach that people are saying, not to create rules, but just to almost say, this is how I feel when you say that. And this is how I'd like you to, you to, 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 to be concerned. And that, and that's simply how we just adapt language and, and, and persuade people rather than tell them, just point out where language could improve or could be used differently. Indeed. But there's one, there's, there's a, there's a few areas though that are a bit awkward where you've got potentially different, different sets of language, if you like, for if you're, whether you're dealing with um, groups of people, um, I mean, women tends to be an example. There are a lot of lot of people, lot of women who will take exception at being called, I don't know, love, uh, honey, love, chip, bird. yeah. Um, well, actually, one of the things I had to get used to is everyone in Yorkshire, whether male or female, gets called love. It's just the way it is, but yeah, um, uh, I've seen a, I've seen a lot of um, discussion about being called, say, chaps. And um, some people say, oh, I, don't, I don't want don't want to be that. And then you'll get one, one, uh, one or two, or maybe more, say, well, actually, I don't mind that. Um, it, 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 it can it can it can be difficult. You have to be you do have to be careful, um, and you you could actually go so far one way that language gets completely sanitized so i guess what i guess what we need to do is have some some colorful but not offensive language which is an interesting challenge for otherwise i mean that's 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 the trouble when people talk about dumbing down they're not so much dumbing down it's it's just making everything completely bland but it doesn't have to be i mean i i i I, i'm guarded about the language i use and I hang out with a lot of people who are also guided about the language, and I don't think we dumb down anything. I think we still have fun, we laugh, we still joke about things. We just don't tend to joke about things that have a person's misfortune at the end of it. We talk about other, other ironic scenarios, if you like. Yeah, in, 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 that, that's fair enough. But a lot of those people, I won't say all of them because I don't know who you hang out with, but a lot, a lot of people... Um, um, what was it? Oh, I, I lost my train of th- train of thought there. Yeah, if 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 you hang around or you've got a a group that that you do hang around with, a close group of friends, wider group of friends, or even just a I don't know networking club that you belong to, people you see regularly, it's a lot easier to do that with that with than with people you don't see regularly, or some people who will take offence at something if you've maybe only met them for the first time. Yes, you maybe should be guarded about the language you use so that nobody could take offence, but but that that's 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 the problem I I think I particularly have had in the past. I don't think I have it now, hopefully. But that is the problem that I, that I've had in the past. The first time you come you you interact with somebody, you know nothing about them. So all the only thing you can do is either be almost nothing uh, or you 
we do what most of us do. We we have these um, unconscious biases, these these stereotypes, and that they, they kick in because if you wanted to read all of the cues that somebody's giving off um, or little things they're telling you, body language and all the rest of it, you could use so much brain power that you, you probably can't even have a conversation. So, <laughs> so, so uh, it takes practice. I think, I think the, the key thing is, you know, we started off by saying that learning to learn, uh, learning to converse, learning to think this way. So I think, people can retrain the way they think they can retrain the way they talk and they, they can ch- change the way they interact with the world. It just takes practice. And I, I look back at my life and five, 10 years ago, my, my language was completely different in terms of color and, and sensitivity. So I think, I think you can, you can learn, and I, but I don't think we should shy away from, Creating learning learning opportunities, uh, and as I say, I, I I network, I go out, I meet people all over the world, all over the UK. I, I speak at conferences in the same way you do, and, and I don't feel that I'm um, constrained in my humour or my or my the way I can talk to people or, or, or interact with people. So yeah, I, I think I think you can if if you. If you if you learn how to talk and learn how to learn, I think I think I think it's very possible. Yeah, I, I, entirely. I mean, I'm just uh, ne- neuroscience tell, tells us you can. Hab- habits habits are not hardwired, um, and and they uh, it's just a question of um, how much effort you put in, what what you see the rewards are as to whether you, whether whether you do it. But another one of the well, it was, it was a phrase that I picked up because I well, as you as you probably know I did. I did um, uh, Linda Shaw's neuroscience course. And one of the things that st- really stuck out for me was because we were talking about creativity at the time and facilitation, we were talking about when we're dealing with groups of people, we need to be their prefrontal cortex. Being 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 creative or changing the way we think takes an enormous amount, amount of bandwidth. So if if instead of relying on people's own prefrontal cortexes or cortices i'm not sure what the plural is if there was if there if there's some if there's some way of facilitating that that that's what we do when we act as facilitators and let the people do their creative stuff in a way i think something something similar is needed we need a a prefrontal cortex to 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 help to help to help everybody um, and it, and it's not it's not controlling because the that part of our brain doesn't directly control everything. It's just it's just it's just like a musical conductor. It it, it conducts the rest of the brain. So it's not we, we there's no sort of synchronous communications. So um, I think I think that's what, I think that's possibly possibly what we need. I love talking about yeah. metaphors. No, I, I agree. I, I think I, I accept that I have to make it easy for people to talk to me about me. So I, I, I know that I get a better better experience in life if I, if I help people who are clearly nervous or clearly tongue-tied or don't, or don't know the good language. I also realize that if some people maybe say something with the best intent, they didn't, didn't intend to be offensive. Yes, it could have been offensive, but I will, I will help them through that and try and say, well, actually – 
that's not a great question. That is probably not great language. Consider this instead. And then I don't, I don't say you must. I say, well, this is, have a think about why this is important. And hopefully people will come to the conclusion themselves. Okay. I get it. Right. That's, yeah. It costs you nothing to adapt. Um, it, it's, it comes, again, it comes down to privilege and how you see yourself. If you see yourself as more important or, or more righteous than somebody, and you go, I, what do they matter? But by, by showing you a point to change, it's, it, it, you come over in a more um, level way. You, you're not trying to create a power balance between between two people. So I, I think we, we can all try. We can all, we can all put the effort in. We can all don't don't feel don't feel shame or, or, or feel upset that you get something wrong. To say, okay, I got it wrong. What could I say next time? What would be a better way of doing this? Okay, thank you for telling me that. I'll learn. Uh, and then when you meet somebody else, you can apply that and go, well, I met Joe last week. She said this, this, and this. Um, and what she suggested was I ask you what your pronouns are. Uh, so my name's Derek and my pronouns are, uh, what are yours? And they go, oh, brilliant, Derek. Thanks for asking. That's fantastic. And all of a sudden the conversation has gone well because you're picking up bits of knowledge and then applying them yourself and, and the world's a better place. You may go, that's a whole lot of effort, you know, but yeah, it is. It, 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 it is at first, but after a couple of chats, you know, as you said about neuroscience, you rewire, rewire the circuits in your brain, and before long, it, it just becomes a way of talking. Yeah, it, it is. It is bewildering, though. When in, in different, uh, I, don't, I don't know um, how many different cultures you've experienced this or even experimented, maybe. But in some cultures abroad, it's just so confusing. I mean, one of the cultures that I'm most familiar with is India. Everybody is sir or madam, whether you like it or not. Um, But other things are are very different. Uh, Sometimes the language does not actually match, almost match the actions. You know, um, the way way people... um, well, they're supposed not to have a caste system, for instance, but they do. They, but they do. The way people will look after other people, whether with, no matter how how different they are, but they still have this. I'm almost coming coming to a, answering my own question here because I was saying almost imperialist language. I think that's. I think. I know where they possibly got some, some of their language and some of their other systems. Our from. colonial exports, yeah. Our, our yeah. colonial exports, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe they just haven't got haven't got rid rid of the the bad bits yet. Um, well, as we can see by a lot of the Commonwealth, they they still have a lot of the archaic exports of colonialism in terms of their attitudes towards LGBT people, you say this, the, the gender biases they've got, et cetera, et cetera. And we exported a lot of that in the, yeah, with, with, with Christianity, with our rule base and all we did was we nick their potatoes and, and enslave them all and, and ruin their cultures. Didn't we? Although in some cases, I think that, that they're actually in the case, in the case, in the case of Indian people, I think they are, I think they've worked their way through a lot of this. They've, I had, a, I actually had a, I've had several conversations with this with Indian people in India about because um, a couple of times when I've returned from there, it's just been about the anniversary, just been around the anniversary of separation, 
So it's, it's been quite a, a, an interesting time to talk about to talk about these things. But yes, they they've realised that there are lots of things that the imperialists have given to them which are useful. I mean, okay, the railways are falling falling to pieces now, but we gave them the railways and the legal system and a whole an education system and a whole load of other things. And some of the other stuff they've dismantled or thrown away or, or not used. But then there are countries like um, Africa's not a country, it's a continent, but thinking about, thinking about all the colonial powers, the countries there have dismantled everything. I mean, they used to have great railway routes and, well, and a number of things, and those have all gone. And they're in a far worse position than, than the Indian, Indian subcontinent is. So, I th- I th- yeah, I, I, I think they've taken some of the good bits. Maybe they need to get rid of some more bits, do a bit more weeding and pruning. But they've taken a system and adapted it. And to be honest, I think in most cases the, the, the usage of maybe Sir Madam is not an insulting thing. They just want to be polite, but they've got no other t- – they've got no other way – way at the moment, anyway, they've got no other ways of – of, of actually um, demonstrating it. Mm. Yeah, and I, I also think as a traveller, I can't go to somewhere else and enforce my culture. No, no, no. I, no. Yeah, I, I have to go there and learn their culture first and then <clears throat> help them find out more about me while I'm there. I can't go, hang on a minute, you're insulting me because I'm, I'm a guest in your country. I have to understand your culture first Indeed. before I can tell you about my culture. And I think there's a meeting of minds there. Indeed. I mean, when in Rome... Do do as the Romans do. You you need to. You've got to find out how how people how people eat, sleep, think, dance, drink, whatever, um, and and then and then explore that. Once you can do that, you're in a position where you can talk to most people about about most things. Um, but all the time you're doing that arm's length dance, then. Or standing at the bar drinking and not joining in, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I never, I, I, I never not join in, but you, you do wonder sometimes when people are giving you a strange look, and it's only a week later you find out why. And it's you know because of something you've done, something you've said. Um, I mean, particularly in some of the some of the Asian countries, you you look at somebody the wrong. I mean, Thailand and places like that. You look at somebody the wrong way, say the wrong thing. So easy. Um, one moment the king's a living god. Now he's not so much of a living living god. Yeah, no, there are some. Yeah, that's the cultural intelligence part. Is it? it's trying to understand about other cultures and yeah. uh, knowing how to do that, be that inquisitive, and not and not go with this forthright Britishness all the time. It's often we do or Western Western attitudes. So I'm, I'm dying to ask you about. Your your coffee sniffing abilities. How, how do you how do you how can you find the nearest coffee shop? You just walk, just head north until you hit one. Or? No, no. It, I mean, to, to, to be honest, I'm not I'm not like a sort of coffee diviner. I can't sit. But I uh, for a long time uh, when my wife was working away from home, I was I, I I went I went with her, keep a company, worked in the hotels or coffee shops. So I used. To, because you can't you can't stay in a hotel all day, apart from the fact they want to service the room. So I was, I thought, I'll, I tell you what, I'll find a Costa, I'll find a Starbucks, whatever it happens to be, to go and sit with my laptop. And it started off, oh, well, I guess, look it up on SatNav, go find it. 
but there there afterwards you you just seem to get used to where, the places where coffee shops are going to be i mean if you're always stuck there's always going to be one at a retail park there always is but where, where are these going to be certain places on the high street um in in town centers you just just seem to be able to find them i it, it's 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 natural. I, I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> it it's very coincidental because my wife and I were in the West Country for a holiday early September, and we were wandering around Dartmouth. And we got out of the car, we parked. We thought, oh, let's just nip into this pub and grab a coffee or have a quick bite to eat. And we sat down and thought, oh, here we are, Weatherspoons. How the first pub we found, it's like Weatherspoons. And you say that these places are put in these convenient places where the first thing you find is that place, isn't it? it, it it's not accident. It's kind of deliberate planning. No, they've, they've, they've done their research. They know exactly who's going to pass by, um, what they need to yeah. offer to, to, to attract you. It's um, the route from the car park, yeah, out the town centre car park en route to the main shops. They know exactly that path, what the footfall's going to be. And it's like, of course, no wonder I end up in a Witherspoons more often than not, or there's a coffee, Costa, or uh, a Cafe Nero or something. You you just know that they're going to be on, in the right place. Yeah, right? Oh, I remember the beginning part of the end of last year, we spent a lot of time in Maidstone. And you park in the car park, walk up the street, and you will pass Pizza Express, Bill's. Um, all, all of those places, you, you, you just pass them. I mean, you're going to get hooked. You're going to you get you're going to get sucked in. So, but the frustration is, if you want to try somewhere more artisan or different, you've got to go past all of those first, then you hunt do. down the back streets, haven't you? You you do you do. And but but yes, you you you, you can you can find them. You just know where to look or where not to look. Um, the artisan places. But they're they're not far they're not far away. They just can't afford the high street rents and rates some, sometimes. But yeah, they're they're not too difficult to find. That actually, they're, it's often good to head for student land to find those places. Um, so if it is a place with a, a university or two, not far, just around the corner, you'll you'll find them. Yeah. I often find anywhere with cobbles or very, un, you know, that old style paving yeah. is always a place where you're going to find the artisan stuff because the the modern chains, they, they don't like to go into those places that are kind of bad pavements. So they, yeah. they want to stick to the, 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 the central bit, the easy bit. Yeah, actually to, to, to run the risk of um, annoying annoying some some people who were some, some disabled people, I think they – in the past have deliberately gone for those not because they want to keep disabled people away but because it's it, it's it's probably easier for them to open a small coffee shop and have disabled access than it is to open a great big starbucks to make that all singing or dancing for disabled access in a small cobbled street you will not find Starbucks or Costa there, you'll find Starbucks around the corner on the main street where it's easy to lower the curbs and not have steps. And, um, and, and also they tend to have lots of upstairs space. Um, so uh, I think, I think it's something to some, some extent they, they use the unwanted space and if they didn't use it, then that would be an empty space in our towns and cities. Which it, which it, which which is which is good, but it has meant that yeah. our coffee shops, though, are, 
are taking over our retail parks. You know, there's costas, costas everywhere. Even petrol stations are full of costas now. Oh, they are. Yeah, it's right. You've got your self-service machines, everything. Yeah, it's it is. I remember. I remember the discussion. You probably remember them in the nineties and the turn of the century, where we were talking about this trying to turn Britain into a cafe culture, trying to move people out of this drinking habit and getting into coffee shops, like the French. And now suddenly we're, we're overrun with with coffee shops and, and those sort of places, and all the pubs are shutting, aren't they? So we have changed our culture completely in in, in less than a generation. Yeah. But the the French the French cafe combines the best best of both worlds: the coffee shop and the pub. If you sit on a pavement in France outside a outside a cafe, that that cafe will serve. Uh, glasses of beer it will serve aperitif it'll serve your pernos it'll serve coffee and pastries and things and i think when pe- people envisaged I, I, don't, I don't when people promoted the cafe culture here i don't know what they actually envisaged but i don't think it's what we've got now i don't cafe, cafes and coffee shops are, are, are subtly different and cafes are places generally where you can spend a lot more time at once you yeah, it's like an all-day drop-in, isn't it? It's a, yeah, it's you play chess or dominoes or something. Yeah. You can go there to meet your friends for the day, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, you can have a, have a cup of coffee late morning. Oh, it's lunchtime. Shall we have some lunch? And you can, you can be there for hours. And those are the sorts of things that we should have maybe put, also put in some of our town centres rather, rather than – I mean, I can think of where I where we go when we go up to, up to Scotland to visit my wife's parents – you know where you have a street that goes straight through. People build a bypass, and the t- and, and the town centre dies. And the one thing that would have helped, for instance, in that case, is pedestrianising the middle because you can drive right round it anyway. But instead of just putting coffee shops, have cafes, coffee, and things that keep people in. I mean, a lot a lot of the shopping malls have actually got very good at this. They their, their places aren't just. That's why they have food courts. Um, so that you have Costa, you have um, uh, uh, pizza places, you have um, TGI Fridays, you you have um, Carluccio's or, or whatever. You have all these things together, and it keeps people there for a, for a long period of time. So, so I mean, we're in sort of COVID world, aren't we? I mean, there's there's opportunities here because pubs are closing everywhere. Coffee shops are themselves struggling because they're not getting a footfall. Retail is on its knees. We hear about um, the Arcadia Group just the other day, potentially even today, has gone into liquidation. Well, at the time of this podcast recording, we're not sure, but we never know. We're recording on the day we're supposed to hear. So, yeah, so yeah, there's an opportunity now. To re- I think towns and city councils are now looking at how they regenerate post-COVID to bring people back in, that they're looking to bring more hybrid um, accommodation and retail, a mix rather than before it's been kind of a combination and the outskirts, all of the shops are set, all the commerce is kind of centralised. But now that they've been, well, we've got all this space, how can, what can we do with that Debenhams? What can we do with that Knight and Lee? What can we do with that space? And, to, and maybe flats or accommodation is the way to go. Yeah. And then making sure there is places to socialise within that. Otherwise, we end up with these big vacuums again, don't we? Yeah, a lot of places now, what they're doing is the, 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 the ground level space is still shop space. But the what 
Um, I, I know some in Sheffield, we've got some big shops with that are actually three floors. So you've got two other floors. It's right for turning into flats. So you can actually keep people in the cities to keep keep some of the life there. And pe- people do do love the non-chain shops that we have. But sometimes these places are just far too, far too convenient. And I have sympathy with the small shopkeepers. But I think when I think just complaining about the fact that, you know, Tesco's or Primark is down the road is, is not going to help. They're going to still going to stay there. So what can you do that's going to attract these people that are now moving in? These people don't necessarily want Primark fashion. You know, they, they might want some um, artisan manufactured jewellery um, or, or whatever it happens to be. Um Locally made soap, whatever, whatever it happens to be, there is a there is a place for it, and there's a place. And I sincerely for- hope that COVID is, it will be a catalyst for reinvention in this sort of area, you know, where people can be artisans, they can start their own boutiques, and some of the some of these big chains, we've we've now realised that they're unsustainable in the modern world. You just buy it online. But you can't buy craft and artisan stuff online so easily. Okay, they do sell online. But you really don't want to try that piece of jewellery on. You really want to try that dress on that is not necessarily yeah. traditional sizes. You, you need to go and try it on, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I can imagine that bespoke tailoring is in the right in, the, in certain parts of the world is probably, or even those certain parts of the country, is doing very well because you need you need quality and it's got to be seen, it's got to be felt, it's got to be touched. So that's one of, one of the things I, I try talking to people about is because as as a speaker, you know what happened as soon as as soon as um, COVID hit us. People people said, "What do I do?" I tell you what I'll do. I'll get I'll get a Zoom license and I'll deliver this stuff on Zoom. Was exactly what they said, and people were just, and still are. University lecturers are still doing that, you know, and but they've got a captive audience. But that's what people did. Everybody did it. For a while, other people have moved on, done other things, which which is great. But my, my question to people is, yes, everybody's doing this. You've got to be different. So how different is your different? What's the, what is the difference that sets you apart? What is the extra value? How is it different from you know, jo- Joanne's offering, uh, what, what she does? Uh, what, where, where's, where's the value? How does it help you? Or, or, or do you just like it because it's, I don't know, soft and cuddly or you like hot chocolate whatever it happens to be where, where is this difference so that's 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 one of the two things that I, I try and talk about is how to make your different different but as you alluded to before how, how do you how do you get off the track before you can even see whether the train's coming or not um, and that's something we've got to got to be used to as well but do you think a lot of this having to be different comes from the fact we we try and describe ourselves in the language of this sameness you know what do i do well i'm, I'm like other dni professionals I, I speak about this so immediately i've i've i have to tell you that i'm the same but i'm different being the same so mm. we, maybe we start by saying well i'm not like anybody else i'm not I, yeah i don't talk about whatever they talk about i have my own views and ideas i've written my own book or whatever i do because otherwise we start by being Another coffee shop. We're not another coffee shop. We're we're we're, we're a meeting place. Oh, would you? Oh, people just come in and meet, and they can grab a coffee, yeah. and they can have a beer, they can, they can socialise. Indeed, that's it's far easier to demonstrate than it is to describe. 
So yeah, if somebody says, "Oh, go go to, go down to I don't know," I can't think of a good name for a coffee shop. I'm looking at my pucker pad. So maybe, maybe, maybe yes, maybe, maybe maybe we've got the pucker pad. What's that? Come along and come along and have a go. Yeah, well, it's it's pucker. Maybe maybe we do. Maybe we do some Indian cuisine. Maybe we don't. It's a pad, so it's more like home. It's great. So a place where you can relax and have food. Well, if you want to call it that, but that's not what we call it. But if you if you create some interest, but if somebody says, "Oh, I've just opened this boutiquey coffee restauranty place," well, that's oh, a restaurant. It's a coffee there's, shop. There's, oh, okay. there's one. There's one down the road, um, and and that, and that and that is that is the problem. That's why I think when people started going networking and things, people say, well, "And what do you do?" You would say, when you said, "I do this." It's that bit that everybody tells you to be different, but then people say, "Well, what do you mean?" It's like well, I I inspire people to make more money or whatever. It's like, okay, you're an accountant. I do this, do that. You go, okay, you're one of those. And some of you see them on LinkedIn. They're kind of no disrespect to, to the people who, who promote this kind of BNI attitude to networking, but it's almost like you, it, it it doesn't tell you anything, but you think you're different, and I, I think. I often just find them they could be a bit kind of nondescript. It, bit, yeah. it can it can help it can help create a hook. I mean, I I came across an accountant, and basically they didn't wander off wander on for hours. They just said, "I help you save tax." Or no, I help you pay less tax. Everybody in the room got that, and that that was a person who would attract a whole load of business cards. Um, yes, that's, that's a good hook. That's a good hook. That is a that is a um, that is a very is a good, good hook. hook. Yeah. Um, so something like that. But yeah, I I help people to make best use of their money and get their tax returns in on time. Yeah, you're an accountant. Um, so what? Yeah, but it's, it's I think yeah, it's about differentiating yourself in a very authentic way as well, so people understand it. That's that's half the battle, isn't it? Yeah. Some, they come across a bit kind of formulaic. I just look at them, oh, you've been to local networking meetings for other small businesses, and that's how you come across. It's like, but maybe you can tell people who work for corporate companies, they actually say, what, is it, what do you do? Well, I do this, I do this, I do this. And it, you can tell the difference between a corporate and someone who's selling because just on the LinkedIn profile, it, it's, it's so obvious. Yeah, as a small, small business, there is there is the – Temptation, should we say, to try and be all, all things to all? I, I never using the term that I shouldn't have done there. All things to all people, should we say? Um, and um, it's 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 just it's just imp- impossible, really. Um, f- find out all the different places you could sell, do things for, and 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 and, and as the Americans say, choose your niche. Um, but it is it's it's kind of sometimes you you have to not be all things to all people. You have to be a big thing to one person or a big thing to two people. And uh, I think, yeah, if you're going to do mass selling, yes, sell cheap and sell lots. Yeah. Or you sell expensive, sell it few. Yeah. And that's, that's the two models really, aren't they? Yeah. Or, pro, pro, yeah. Be, be Primark or be, I don't know. I can't think of somebody that sells really expensive jewelry, but yeah, some something like that where you, you sell two pieces a week. Uh, that, that's fine. That's all you need to do. All you have to sell. Um, all, all is, that, uh, is that Arcadia? <laughs> um, no, no, that, no, that's not. I, I can think of a, a place. In fact, there's a place called, it's called, uh, what is it called now? Tiago in Sheffield. They do almost exclusively wedding jewellery. 
they're they're only open Tuesday to Saturday, and they're not open all day. But you drive past, and their window looks fantastic, and they just specialise. They make it there and then. You go in, you get exactly what you want. So they don't need to they 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 don't need to be to follow the Ratner Ratner model or or anything else like that. They they know what they do, and they they are well known for it. So that that's what that's what you want to do. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I think you, you just have to, wherever you are, be it. I think that's the key thing, isn't it? And don't don't keep flipping and flopping or trying to be more than you can be. So many people try to over over deliver on outside of their core expertise. Well, and you and you also have a lot. To be honest, you also get told a lot by other people. If you listen too much to other people. Um, there are certain lots of groups on Facebook, for instance, where if you ask for marketing or branding advice, you will be told, "Oh, you should do this. You should have a photo done this way, um, these colours, and all the rest of it." And I must admit, I, I, I got I, I got particularly confused at one point, and I actually had a really nice chat with a with a with a proper branding guy who just said, "Look, just just be you." Um, you know, if, if you don't want to wear a suit, don't wear a suit. If you want to wear bright yellow, wear bright yellow. Um, otherwise, it'll it'll uh, it, you'll just come on across as not being authentic. So, hmm. yeah, if you look uncomfortable or you, or you don't sound right, then yeah, you're better off just being being a good version of you is is, is the best answer, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we start we started this conversation by talking about your soup of life and. Uh, we had a quick chat before we started talking about your your soup. Oh, yes. how, you, how, you, how you describe the universe, and we can't get to the end, which we're coming to in, in a minute, without talking about the soup. What is the soup all about? The then? soup is it's it's really a model I I, I use for for organisations. It it can apply it applies to society as well. But what I was was trying to get away from was this idea of hierarchies. We, we don't actually need hierarchies. Hierarchies are there purely for some people to feel good about themselves or people in the world of management, in very big quotes, not being – they come across this idea of um, spans of control. We must have more than six people reporting to it. This is you – know, that's where it all came from. So it, it just begets a hierarchy. There's no real reason other 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 than other than that you're told that it's not a good idea to have a flat organisation, and when people get promoted or either they get more money or they think they're more important, so they have more knowledge or more experience or whatever, it creates a hierarchy, and we we don't need it. So I, my idea is to have a model that's if you think of soup and croutons, and that's it. Um, there's a little bit of hierarchy there, but not much. The soup is literally the culture. So in an organization, it's organizational culture. If it's society, it's just the culture in society. And these are these are the organic cultures that just grow. They're, you know, they're not things that people say, this is how it will be. That's espoused or corporate culture. So it's just the stuff that grows. We are the croutons. We float about in this. And our, our worth is or should be measured by what we know, the connections we make, um, 
the, the 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 trust networks as well the people the people that trust you the people that you trust these are all very they're they're one to many interpersonal things so the the structure chart if you like for either society or a company should be something like a social media map so the people at these uh, the, the the these points where all these things converge, that, they they are people Jun- junctures, yeah, yeah, big junctures. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so everybody's connected in different ways, via knowledge, experience, trust, whatever, advice, um, and you get I wouldn't say promoted, but you get rewarded according to I. Your, 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 I wouldn't say worth, not monetary worth, but value. So, output, yeah, your contribution in, 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 so in some cases, in, in charities or civil service or companies, there is a need for people to manage certain things. So, yes, there'll be really good professional managers to manage things, but the people who would normally get promoted or try and be, uh, try and, Go up the greasy pole for want of a better description. Doesn't need to do that if they're happy doing what they do with the knowledge they have. I mean, the prime example. I mean, I've worked in in technology for a number of years. People get themselves promoted to managing director when really they're absolutely a software engineers. They should never be the managing director of a company. So it, it, it would it would it would stop that. People can people can stay where they're happiest and contribute according to what they want to that they're the most useful the things that they're most use at the things that they enjoy doing with the people they enjoy doing it with um and the spin-off of that is what it actually does is um it creates globalization of a different sort because uh, at the moment we're everybody's very anti-globalization because they think about exploiting third world countries about um offshoring and all the rest of it what it actually does is it globalizes globalizes knowledge and creativity so these sorts of companies these sorts of organizations um universities can can actually operate globally so it's a it's a different sort of globalization and hopefully it's a place where people are much happier working or 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 living in so we're all we're all croutons in soup. We all everybody has a part to play. Is 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 the just the simple version of it? So I can see I can see the I can I can see I can hear the audience all going. Hmm, not sure about that. Well, it's not too dissimilar to some of the ways I talk. I, when I talk about to define the difference between diversity and inclusion, so I often talk about diversity as being the mix, it's the ingredients for the cake. Mm. Whereas inclusion is, is the emulsifier. It's the eggs, it's the butter that yeah. sticks the cake together yeah. that makes it a cake. Because without the, the emulsifying element, the bits are just floating around. It's indeed. not a cake. Indeed. So your, your, your croutons are the people, the mix, the diversity, and the soup is kind of the inclusion that holds everyone together and yeah. gives people a, a kind of a world to exist in. Yeah, and but, and the best the best thing about about that all that is people say, oh, you can only manage what you can measure, and I say, yeah, fine, you can measure it all because it's people talk about measuring innovation. Like, oh no, key performance indicators. Uh, no, that just measures the output. Just measures how many widgets drop off your production line. It doesn't ma- doesn't measure innovation. If innovation is 
people being creative, people sharing ideas, um, creating knowledge, whatever. That's what we want. So all this, the, the, the bit, these ambiguous bits of the soup, because they depend on behaviors and attitudes, they can actually be measured. We've been surveying these things for ages. I mean, how many attitude surveys have we, have we all come across? They just have to be very carefully crafted, but you can do it. Oh, of course. So, I mean, I talk about the same with diversity initiatives that you can – it's not about quotas. It's about direction of travel. You know, if you're looking to be core, become more gender diverse or more racially represented, you can measure that. And, and How you get there, it, it's in, it depends on the, the organization. But, yeah, you can measure this without quotas, but – Indeed, I, 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 call, doing it yeah, I, I, I call it innovation potential. It's a bit like, a bit like the voltage in a battery. Um, if the greater the voltage, the, you know, the more light bulbs you can, or toys you can power or whatever. It's, it's exactly like that. It's just the, the, the energy, if you like, that's waiting to be unleashed. And the more of it, more of it there is, the better it can be. And that's, that's so true. It, and the higher the voltage, the more it attracts, doesn't it? Because uh, we're actually, we want to attract people into our organizations, keep hold of them, motivate them, empower them without this flat structure that you talked about. So, so with this flat structure, without having these layers, because layers definitely create biases, they create cliques. And and destroy trust, don't they? Well, they, that's, that's they, the they actually they actually create they actually create well one of the ways they create biases is because all of the, all of these layers in, in the hierarchy, when when you start managing lots of people, and I use the term manage loosely, I mean you think of a football manager. The football manager does not doesn't stand on the on, on the on the touchline and, and say, Oh, excuse me, excuse me, Jim, move up the right wing a little bit. Uh, move, move here a little. Uh, he might shout at the odd player, but that's not the way they do it. They see patterns. They want they want the defence to move like this. They want the midfield to move like, and that's the way we do it. We 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 have to use biases and patterns to to actually cope with um, very large concepts. And the more you have, the more you have to do it. So the person at the top of an organisation often has no clue what the people at the bottom do um, simply because they, they can't cope with it. Their, their brains would explode. So um, it, it just encourage. I mean, whether it's deliberate or not, it just encourages bias and, and patterns subconsciously. Definitely, definitely. Well, on that note, let's leave our audience to ponder that, uh, that thought. Uh, thanks, Derek. I mean, we've been going for an hour. It seems like five minutes. This is a really deep, great conversation. Uh, so anyone who's listening, I'm sure you'll agree also. There's lots to take inspiration from there. How can people get in touch with you? What's the best way to find you on? They can find me absolutely anywhere. They can they can look me up on LinkedIn. They can go to www.derekchesher.com. And there's plenty of ways to find me there. Brilliant. Brilliant. Do you have a book or anything? No I, 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 I do. I, I, I only have the one. It's called, it's called Creativity in Action, available from all good bookstores and Amazon, of course. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure people are listening in. They want to get in contact with you. They'll find you on LinkedIn. Go to your website. So a huge thank you for anyone who's listened today. Thank you for tuning in.
Please do subscribe to keep updated on future episodes of the Inclusion Bites podcast. That's B-I-T-E-S. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues. Because I have a number of exciting guests lined up that I'm sure you'll be inspired by over the next weeks and months. And don't forget, if you'd like to be a guest, please let me know. I'd also welcome any feedback and suggestions you may have on how we can improve future shows. Uh, please email me at joe.lockwood at uk. So my name is Joanne Lockwood. It's been an absolute pleasure to host this podcast for you today. Catch you next time. Bye.